Welcome to Season 2 of the Filament Games Podcast, a show dedicated to game-based learning. Here are your hosts, Brandon Pitzer and Dan Norton. Hey everyone, welcome to the Filming Games Podcast. This is Brandon Pitzer speaking. This is Dan Norton. It's a beautiful sunny day in June, the future. Wait, no, that's it's not. Probably, it's probably July now. <laughs> it's probably July. I just looked outside, it's July. It's July. <laughs> yeah. I'm reading this newspaper with the results of all the things that happened in June. It's very interesting. Can you believe the latest news story? I cannot. It is uh, a shocker. <laughs> this heat wave is annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that Trump built the wall. <laughs> With That's private, it was a private endeavor. <laughs> it's incredible. Out of uh, carcasses. <laughs> <laughs> of his wow. vanquished yeah. enemies. Of his vanquished yeah. enemies. Yeah. yeah, and and now would be an excellent time to introduce the third voice. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, smart. <laughs> this, smart. Is a, this is Kurt Squire speaking, uh, talking about uh, the carcasses. Um, mm-hmm. Kurt, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, um, I'm Kurt Squire. I'm a professor at Wisconsin-Madison, and thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Um, so, uh, Kurt is a local and also national and perhaps even global expert on game-based learning, um, and so that's why we brought him in today, is so he could uh, put us in our places about our <laughs> collective ignorance. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, what got you into the field, Kurt? Um, uh, oh, four score. And, uh, <laughs> where to start? Um, Oh, my other favorite idiot thing to say is, well, as I mentioned in my book. <laughs> ah, nice. Oh, that's nice. nice. Hey, you get to smack me. Um, I need to get to a point in my life where I can say that. Uh, <laughs> I, wrote a, I have a pamphlet. So yeah. like, as I mentioned in, in my, my pamphlet. Informative pamphlet. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, but really, it was, it was uh, my fir- the first interest was as a kid. I was um, I played a lot of Sid, Pi- uh, Sid Meier's Pirates on the Commodore 64. Nice. I was in history class and... Um, I, I really don't want to get into the whole story because it's kind of boring. But, but um, basically, I uh, found that there was a bunch of stuff around colonial history that I knew from playing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just got interested in uh, you know, what in the world happened because it wasn't something I was doing intentionally. I was just playing Sid Meier's Pirates because it was awesome. <laughs> um, but found that um, from playing, I had a decent map of, of the Caribbean, um, a good sense of Spanish, French, Dutch, English, um, you know, uh, Civilizations or, or their uh, countries that were had you know pirating activities, sure. and from there um, just became kind of curious. And I at that point was like, well, I don't think you should necessarily hand out pirates to every kid, but I certainly felt like I had a leg up. <laughs> You know, being in class because I, I knew something Brandon about it. Brandon thought about that literally. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. like, you get a pirate and you get a pirate. Put uh-huh. it in your pocket. Yeah. Um, from there, um, in college, I played a lot of Civilizations that came out in SimCity. We actually also played a game um, in class uh, called, uh, oh, the name's escaping right now, but it's about um, being a, a, a Dictator in a, a Caribbean country. Oh, uh, um, uh, Tropico. Yep, not Tropico. Tropico. It's, it's oh, previous oh, to Tropico. Oh, oh. 
Um, Hidden Agenda by Hidden Jim Agenda. Jasperini, who okay. worked on SimCity and basically had this idea. It was a little hypercard game wow. um, for huh. your kids out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was brilliant because the idea was that as you're running this country, you had to decide, am I going to uh, cozy up to the USSR? It was in the 80s. Uh-huh. Uh, the game took place in the 80s. Sure. The USSR or the United States. And if the United States are like, get off my back with your cash crops and your coffee. I just want to feed my people. Mm-hmm. And if you cozied up too much the communist bloc, then um, your people were kind of always poor. And then you had the United States breathing down your back you know, about trying to. Um, uh, give them uh, money and so it was this really interesting game and I did my senior again I'm getting way into off topic here but I did my <laughs> senior thesis on technology and school reform and so okay. I got really interested in how you could use technologies and I was a Montessori teacher or kind of an alternative school teacher mm-hmm. and how you could use technologies to um, improve education at the time I was also mudding with my kids if you know the old tech space yeah, yeah, kind of like tech yeah. space World of Warcraft sure and um, <laughs> my favorite stories a couple of the kids uh for their project made uh, the schools a mud, which would get you in big trouble today, yeah. right? Today, if you're like, mm-hmm. hey, so in this game, you're going to kill your teachers. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but my favorite part is that the, the mightiest weapon in the school was the teacher's red pen, which was all debuffs, right? So it'd be like, you mm-hmm. lose oh, constitution, sure. lose strength. <laughs> you're like, the teacher brings the red pen and you just wither. <laughs> yes. um, and what I liked about that was the idea that it was, uh, so it was gaming, but the idea that it was fundamentally social and then you're yeah. building. So it's constructivist sort of. And so that was really, from there, I thought, well, God, that's must be what people do in educational technology. This is yeah, the yeah. early 90s. So I went back to school thinking, oh, there'd be like groups of people studying MUDs and groups of people studying things like SimCity. And although there were pockets here and there, there really wasn't a you know, kind of mature field doing that type of work like there is today. Sure. So I'm, I'm glad you talked a lot about the games that you played that kind of brought you to this point because it allows me to save face uh, because I'm supposed to kick the show off every day by saying, what are we playing? And so let's, let's ask that question. What are you playing these days? Um, so at home, we We've got a Minecraft server with our family we just started, nice. which is absolute hilarity. But I mean, Dan, you know Walton Warner. Um, <laughs> it, it is just chaos, right? So generally, I'm I'm in the the mines trying to you know uh, provide for my family. Yeah. I'm just a simple I'm miner. Just, <laughs> I come trying back up, to get by. Here's your you know here's your iron outfit. What'd you do with the last one? Like, well, I went and got killed, and so I, that's mostly what we do. Although we just built a treehouse, uh, and right. I will say, gaming Minecraft in particular as a family is a freaking Um, I'm actually playing Minecraft right now with my father. Oh. Yeah. No kidding. It's been a... Just about a nightly thing. Wow. Yeah. We're playing on a server of a coworker of mine, Chenya's. Oh, nice. Uh, With like the cake house and everything. She has literally 250 mods installed. Wow. So there's like- So hardcore. Crazy things to be done. I'm I'm deep into the plant magic right now is what I'm into. (laughs) Like automated farms? More than Uh, that. So it's it's called Botania or Botania. And it's basically- Magic spells done through gardening, and uh, yeah, I know, I know nothing of Sounds right it's up intense. Your alley. It's super intense. <laughs> Does that require a mod, or is that something? It's you can all do? mod. It's okay. it's brilliant. It's uh, so many of the mods make things like you know very much like running things through pipes, and it gets more and more industrial engineering-y, and this is... Which appeals to you and your father. Oh, that was, well, actually, that's the thing, is we're doing the plants, though. The, 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 this is like a really more... It's it's a purposefully less rigid system of building machinery that is uh, less about running a pipe, and it's more just about area of effect uh, and the relationship of different plants together. It's like it's a squishier... Is your brother playing? Uh, no, no, I should get him in there. He's... My brother... Uh, my brother's brilliant writer, but then his super, his his kryptonite part of that 
is that he believes in his heart that he has very poor spatial reasoning. He's like signed off on huh. spatial reasoning. He's like, no, I am. I dwell in the land of the word. And he's an amazing writer. He's just mm. an amazing writer. Um, I believe that. I believe this is a personal block on his part. He could be <laughs> awesome at spatial stuff if he just just let go of the of the of the the conception. So I think he's he's sort of averse to the idea of Minecraft, the land of reasoning spatially all the huh. time for all things. Yeah. I'd love to get him in there. Jim, if you if you're listening to this, you should You need to approach it as, as a self-study. Like let's just see. I yeah. think he's curious enough that I think he would do that. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's uh uh it's yeah. I think he'd be great at it. I'd love to play with him. That'd be good. I assumed he was still building up that hardcore uh, witch doctor in Diablo three, but I didn't know. We all tapered off. Yeah, we were kind of like we got to <laughs> my next. I don't even remember what my next goal was. It was too far away. I was yeah. like, oh, diminishing return curve hit. Yeah. So next season. Yeah, I, I left when I was looking around for all my friends. It was just crickets and tumbleweeds, and I was like, "Where is everyone up there?" Still yeah. playing some Hearthstone. Okay. Uh, since you asked, uh, sure. If you sure. ask my family, they would say more than some. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's definitely like phoned out. Warner who was actually complaining to me the other day. I'm like, "What are your screens on?" It's like, "Dad, you on your phone? You have Hearthstone all the time." <laughs> <laughs> they found when they talk to me and I'm not responding and I'm staring at my phone. That's mm-hmm. what that is. Mm-hmm. You should have. You can just tell them if they can beat you in Hearthstone. Oh, there you go. Then, yeah. Then, then, <laughs> they, they will be the leader of the clan. Then they can then, you know, get their ice cream or whatever it yeah. is they're, they're aiming for. Yeah. Just defeat, you know, you can even make like a mid, mid-tier mid deck for them. You're like, just beat this deck. Since, since this is in June or July, I'm, I'm playing uh, survival <laughs> mode in Fallout 4. Have you seen this? No, I oh. haven't played any Fallout 4. It's the way you want to play it, I think. Okay. Yeah. Do you die horribly and it's over? Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, <laughs> I think. But the idea is that you have to sleep. It's it's more of a survival oh. semi. And so, yeah, as I as I understand it. And you, you definitely need to look and think about, like, do I want to go into that battle or not? Or do I you know, okay. die? And, sure. Right. Sure. I, I can recommend Fallout 4 regardless. Of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that, I, I, uh, I have yet to play that one myself, but um, the survival does look really cool. Like just adding a completely new layer of, of gameplay to it. Um, which, yeah, I think it's interesting to stitch kind of new, more hardcore mechanics on top of an existing structure mm-hmm. like that. I'm really glad they're coming back. I mean, as a learning person, I think that hardcore mechanics are awesome because they really do force reflection yeah um uh, planning think you know thinking i mean all the hardcore yeah um, it's true it's true you see a lot like i feel like the popularity of dark souls speaks to that it's like it's a ridiculously popular franchise and it's because it is extremely demanding and cruel (laughs) to the player and i think one thing i do love about games in general is the fact that i I know i was lamenting three or four years ago around a lot of things uh, my beloved blizzard had done i was like great Mm -hmm. now there's no anything and then sure enough boom the games react here here you want hardcore mechanics then we we will give them to you right yep right yeah and there there had been a trend i think in the past few years of of kind of simplifying and making Mm -hmm. it more accessible and i think part of that was trying to kind of you know, make it a bigger tent in terms of yep. like just people who are able to game. Yeah, broadening um, audience yeah. And, and so on, which is yeah. great. So uh, I want to talk a little bit uh, about um, the GLS conference mm-hmm. um, because I hear you know an awful lot about it. 
Some. <laughs> <laughs> He's been there a few times. Yeah. A couple times. Um, so, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about GLS a little bit? Just kind of explain the mission and, and kind of how it all came about. Yeah. So, it all came about um, really 10 or 12 or 13, how many years ago, um, when there was a, a big desire to have a conference that would have some of the best minds in commercial and entertainment games, some of the best work done in research and learning sciences, and then some of the best sort of educators and, and you know, mission-driven agencies and so on, all in one space where they come as equals and we'll talk uh, critically, honestly, passionately about where they want to see the future of this medium go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a couple of things it was responding to at the time and still does is that didn't want to be a conference where it's only about how you make stuff without a discussion about how you actually make it good and quality and what would be quality and mm-hmm. what would be good. But also not a place where you talk about research without talking about, okay, is this ever going to have any impact in the world? Is this going to be useful? And then the idea where everyone can kind of just check their, hopefully, egos, but if not their own kind of primary identity and not assume that everyone has to be like you. You know, mm-hmm. so when researchers like, well, aren't you doing research on this? Like, no, that person might be a developer. Maybe they're not doing that. Or, right. you know, vice versa. So just getting all those people in a place on equal footing with a lot of strategic break time yeah. Um, so that you can walk out of a session, maybe have that conversation. Oh, then we should work together. And, and then um, I think there have been a lot of very generative you know, partnerships that have come that way. Um, mm-hmm. There's even a couple that got married, actually, who met at GLS. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's really what it's about. Um, there's you know a lot of – and we try to make it a lot of fun. You know, sure. It happens in Madison in the summer. Um, it's yeah. in August this year, which yep. will be different. Another thing next, we are, next month. Yeah, yeah. yeah, next month. Coming up real soon. <laughs> yeah, and something else we are trying to do this year is having it uh, in conjunction with Forward Fest, trying to build, bring some more people out for GLS that may not have thought about it, yeah. and then also bring more people to Madison. So um, one of our goals for this is to help the conference really fuel – um, kind of a reinvigorated um, technology and creative scene here in Madison, which seems to be bubbling up. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think between uh, this this building and uh, the the starting block over mm-hmm. on on Washington, I think there's a lot of really cool tech organizations moving in. Um, so, you know, what was um, I guess how has it evolved over the years? You know, uh, the GLS conference, like kind of when you started. I know you had like the you set out with the mission of creating this kind of equal footing and mm-hmm. um, this kind of sort of egalitarian space for all these different voices to contribute to the conversation. Um, how have you seen that kind of take shape and evolve over the last ten, uh, eleven, twelve years? I think the biggest thing is that that thing you just described exists. Okay. Um, so when we, when we started, it was, if you remember, Dan, I was like, wait, are you interested in this idea? I'm interested in yeah. this idea. That's you two. Too. <laughs> two. And then there's like maybe, you know, a third of them who are there going, I'm not interested in this at all. Yes. <laughs> yes. Away. That's right. <laughs> like, Which is weird to show up to a conference just yeah. to be like, I just want everyone to know I'd rather not be here. <laughs> Go away. Um, and now what's interesting is that when you have someone come in and, and maybe violate those norms and say, you know, and you can see the community kind of react you know Mm -hmm. like this happened a couple of years ago when someone came in and was blaming a lot of societal ills like simply on teachers or the lack of educational reform and the conference kind of rose up in mass and was like we don't do that here oh yeah remember that i do remember that yeah that was like that's the closest i've seen to having rotten fruit distributed (laughs) to an audience yeah (laughs) yeah so at the beginning it was kind of a desire for community and then maybe a plausibility argument that you could have games exist that are of the sort that because this was you know pre-filament so the Mm, kind of stuff that you guys Mm -hmm. do like you could have a great game that that helps you learn something that can be mapped to objectives you know or not or it can be more of a you know sandboxy the fact that you would have that those could exist Mm -hmm. um didn't exist and so now you're getting much more 
um, you know, specific kinds of projects. And, and if you just look at the quality of the projects, they've gone way up. And I, I think something I'm encouraged by is that if you I've been thinking about this a lot lately. If you look at sort of the hype cycle and where games are, to me they are on that like kind of steady progress where there are tools that are now used for specific ends and we're yes. kind of beyond that debate of should they exist or not or are yeah. they going to save the world or not or they can do this or not. It's like, no, they're, they're really useful in many contexts and some that they're not and we right. know something about how to do that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I personally have sensed that like at working at Filament, the, the idea that we've... I think fairly recently moved past the point where you have to argue that this is even a thing that should exist, mm-hmm. and now it's more about the how um, and and the way that you can actually make it happen and, and different ways to um, add sophistication uh, to the to the method of, of game based learning. Um, so you know, thinking along those lines, um, where do you kind of see the the future of of the the game based learning movement going, and like how, how do you see it? Um, I don't know, branching out and diversifying. Um, it's a really g- Great question. It's been on my mind a lot lately. Um, I'm, to some extent, trying to figure out what kinds of things I want to do next. Sure. Um, so I think that along that sort of hype curve, you're, you are going to see a lot more um, kind of very specific questions. So how do you use games for specific ends? So mm-hmm. whether it be, oh, you know, the fourth grade reading slump or algebra mm-hmm. or – I mean, as an example to throw one out there that hasn't really been done, but I think that you'll see – um, kindergarten readiness in math as a sort of thing. Like, mm. That'll probably happen, right? So right yeah. now you get a lot of early literacy games. There's a fair bit of attention coming that kids are coming into school not as prepared as they might be in math, and so I bet you'll see a whole swath of them. So you're going to see those kinds of very specific sort of questions. I mean, okay. I do think there's a big um, opportunity that is around still the sort of game-based learning platform that would be used in a lot of schools that would work on something like Chromebooks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that would have logins and data analytics and would be of a textbook kind of replacement. Right. So I guess I'll use the word replacement, um, if not augmenting. I think that is a thing that is kind of on the large end that's you know less researchy um, that is probably going to happen in some way. Sure. Um, I also think getting back to that sort of hype cycle thing you are going to see other kind of sub technologies or other technologies be married with games so in the same way that you've seen like learning analytics kind mm-hmm. of like oh that's going up you know learning analytics are going to save everything mm-hmm. that was probably like 18 months ago I don't think they're quite down yet but pretty soon you'll get to the point like, for example we just did a study where we found that we we're looking at what you could tell from learning analytics and what you couldn't and the extent to which people share mobile devices was something we had not this is constant to this study, but we had not fully grown. Oh, sure. So we were kind of mm. watching and like, oh, there's an interesting thing happened that you look in the data, you know, a minute 12, you're like, yeah, that's because the kid left his device there. Someone else picked it up and started doing stuff. <laughs> and there's a lot of that that happens in ways. Yeah. And so there's things like that that I think will happen and come out. And then uh, my own personal thing, um, which I've been trying to do is could we apply learning analytics to more open-ended problem solving games and or social games, which we haven't really done. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see a lot of those kinds of wedding new technologies with games as they come up, um, VR being one of them, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm personally curious to see if there's going to be a national conversation when Ready Player One comes out, because that mm-hmm. to me is is among the more interesting visions for where our field and domain could go. Hey, could you uh, just elaborate on that? Yeah. So um, for folks who don't know, Ready Player One is a, a, a novel. It's going to um, 
be turned into a movie. I want to say they just pushed it back to March of 18, so it's mm. going to be a little... Uh, oh, my. Spielberg is um, slated to direct it. Wow. But um, it's a dystopian future after peak oil. Um, people live in like stacked trailers and trailer parks in the middle of nowhere because it's cheaper. Yeah. And um, most of their lives are spent in online virtual worlds that um, look something like, you know, a mix of like first-person shooters and wow and everything like that. Um, and the education system is as well. So it's immersive VR, um, and some of which is kind of, scarecrow's just VR, some of which is game-based. But it's um, among the more fully realized depictions of what a future like that could look like. Sure. Um, and um, I won't give away sort of the rest of the plot, but I think it would mm-hmm. be interesting to see if, if it is a hit. I mean, I kind of thought maybe the same thing would happen with Ender's Game, which didn't right. exactly, you know, when that came out, because that's another sort of... <clears throat> you know, touch tone, touch right. place thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I've actually, there's a, I think there's a similar episode to that uh, in Black Mirror, if you've watched that show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a series and it's, it's kind of like Twilight Zone and it's, it's basically every episode is a different uh, standalone story that is somehow a tech driven dystopian future. <laughs> um, and there's definitely one. Sign that, me up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. It's worth checking out. Um, so, you know, um, Looking at the the Madison community, uh, when you're drawing people together for GLS, um, how do you see the Madison community itself evolving around um, you know ed tech or or just game based learning in general? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, so it is you know of course ever evolving. I think one thing that I would really like to see happen is um, or happening right now is you know we're trying to get more involved in undergraduate education. Mm. The number of undergraduates who now I'm, I'm officially I really am an old man. That's a theme. <laughs> yeah. But the number of undergrads are like say I'm you know 20 and I have this idea to build a game that would be like uh, I mean I'm making this up but like a Pokemon game where you're gonna learn something around math or something. Mm. There are many undergrads with ideas like that. Yeah. And because of the uh, explosion of indie games and the fact that you now have a generation that kind of been playing indie games for a little while. Mm-hmm. The idea that yep. someone could make a game with a few friends and have it go on Steam and be about the thing that they want it to be is now accepted by yeah. many of the undergrads. And so something we would like to do is really double down our efforts in reaching those folks, um, providing courses and degrees and learning experiences and internships and being the sort of connective glue between those people, the things that they want to learn, the broader marketplace and so mm-hmm. on. Um, and part of my goal is to see more of those uh, students graduate, um, have either projects or companies or things that they're doing, and then stay in Madison so that we can continue to have a really thriving scene mm-hmm. um, that would help for a lot of things, everything from when projects come and go to help be a more robust ecosystem so that you know people may not have to get laid off but can kind of go over there but then also just to have everything from you know an investment community amount of kind of dollars or even just a place we want to live you know where mm-hmm. there's a yeah. community of people interested in this mm-hmm. which i think will ultimately make the city state region much better but i i am um, i'm really encouraged i should say by like i'm teaching a game design class right now with 20 25 students and they are they're just great and and they you know just want to keep going so we're 
inching toward getting a major kicked off, awesome. um, maybe a graduate program as well. Awesome. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is kind of how is that taking shape over, over at the UW? Um, it's, it's, a it's, so we're in a, in a really difficult time and you know, as you may know, mm-hmm. you know, the largest budget cuts in yep. history, mm-hmm. um, which means that any sort of monies that would have been available from the administration to help do this kind of thing just aren't there. Mm. Um, and so uh, one thing I'd say is that if people wanted to see kind of more local jobs in this happen, you know, you can thank our governor for slowing all of that down mm. in the legislature. Mm. Um, take a deep breath and pause. <laughs> but, <laughs> but this is where uh, a normally sound guy would kick in with a fart sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A booing crowd. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so and, and what's sad is that for a lot of, you know, their, their initiatives around, you know, building companies that like it's, it's literally getting in the way of that. Mm. But um, having said that, there is um, kind of a group um you know, a group of faculty and others who are kind of, you know, talking and, and interested in having this happen. I think there are some, without getting the politics of this, there's some interesting opportunities because the university is changing its internal budget models. Mm. So butts and seats matter more than they ever did. And so um, that means that a program that's bound to be popular, such as games, actually could get some energy. So in the past, um, it was really tough to start a program because you were not incentivized as faculty to do it. If it was successful, um, that probably could only hurt you. There's no real reason to do that. Whereas now, mm-hmm. there, um, you know, there are actually some incentive, and it could it could do a lot of good things. So, so you're talking about like enrollment volume, basically, there, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so now the enrollment volume would mean that money would come back to that department or those department who teach it. Where in the past that was not true. Oh, interesting. So there was really no incentive, and now all you have to do is try to hire people with no money to hire extra things. You know, so that mm-hmm. that's why you don't see a lot of new programs roll out at UW very often. I see. Interesting. Yeah. That's fascinating. I have a note here, uh, this is a complete diversion, um, that that you know quite a bit about bicycles as well. Oh, a little bit. A little not, bit. Not in this room quite a bit. Yeah, I do enjoy cycling. I'm getting into it more. All right. All right. So so uh, where are you cycling these days? Um, well, I, I haven't, des- well, mostly I guess the commute back and forth. So I'm a year-round commuter oh, on, nice. on a fixie that had Revolution Cycles build me in an old rally frame. Do you get those huge tires in um, the winter? No, I went, this, <laughs> this win- I will one of these days. This winter I went with the thinner but studded. Um, See, I feel like, I feel like the the. I'm sure someone will get angry at this. I think the th- the fat tires are a fallacy. <gasps> I think the thin studded tires is massively more efficient, and unless you're like literally tromping through the woods, is as stable or maybe even more stable. If you're offended by this inflammatory statement, yeah. you know Dan Norton. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think if you have large tires on your bike, you don't deserve to live. <laughs> Is that going too far? Go. Yeah. <laughs> have, have at it. Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we can get past that. I mean, yeah. that's we're not going to top that one. Yeah, um, there you go. I, I did yeah. ride three cyclocross races this last fall. Oh yeah. my goodness! So, and and the distance thereof? Uh, oh, those are like forty minutes. So, okay. Yeah. Well, that's probably collectively more than I've biked in the past ten years. So. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, but that's because I'm very lazy. Um, you know, I'd like to. Um, what do you got? I would like to talk about two two pieces of 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 Kurt Squire cuz like we've had Kurt Squire here he's like, like a guest on like this the podcast the... but it's it's also <laughs> it's important to note that like Kurt's not just like a guest on the podcast but he's like a piece of filament uh filament lore <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh 
so high level MPC. I think, <laughs> yeah. So aside from you know being a huge early backer and supporter of Filament as a thing that should happen, uh, throwing work our way, all that awesome stuff. Uh, there's like just two sort of t- things I like to touch on, but that are like foundational for me, and, and then by proxy how Filament happened. Sure. I was there. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so I think the first is uh, you know Kurt's work in design-based research. Uh, I I think you know Kurt talked a little bit earlier about how the conference actually does a bridge between people who make things and people who want to find out how to make things better. Mm-hmm. But design-based research to me it was like this unlocked puzzle of of how to do those things at the same time. Wow. So it's. Uh, I always thought those two were very static and separate, and that I had very little patience for the idea of doing research, because I was like, that's so far away from the actual work of making something and getting better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly, Kurt's philosophy and putting out a lot of work and just the rhetoric on design-based research is a huge part of like how I think about making things. I see every one of our projects as an opportunity. Uh, as uh, to research and find out how to do it better next time. And all of our agile methodology, et cetera, has been infused with that idea that we're not exactly sure what we're going to make, <laughs> and we'll find out way more as we go. And it'll get, you know, and that we hope that the project gets better as we're making it. It's not a failure to find out that you've made a mistake, and it's a victory. Uh, I think the other thing... Uh, that's very Kurt-tastic, that is very important to me, is that design is not just a person on a cloud throwing out amazing ideas that people like collect together and in you know some little bucket. They're like in you know, like in <laughs> Mad like, Max when like they're like a... everyone's holding up their dishes to collect the water, right? <laughs> like that's that's like design is driven by creative collaboration with people. Uh, together, and it's communication, and it's people being people, and working out problems with different specialties. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's not always how design gets understood, but that's always how tr- how Kurt treated me and the people around him when solving problems, as he facilitated creative collaboration. And that's that's like a that's like a hallmark for how I think things should be done. So I learned those things from Kurt. I will gladly be associated with those ideas. (laughs) Your pamphlet or book. Yeah. yeah. If you've read the pamphlet, it's all there. So, yeah. I will gladly take it. Thank you. Yeah, that's... That's awesome. Thank you. That's wonderful. Yeah, and you know, the, so I think that's great. I mean, to to have have you cast like a shadow like that over the <laughs> over the film and games <laughs> mm-hmm. philosophy, um, it's it's a uh, it's great to have you on the podcast for that reason. Um, thank you very much, profusely, for thank joining you. us for today. Yeah, um, it has been a real pleasure. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Filament Games podcast. If you'd like to hear more about games, game-based learning, and what goes on inside our studio, subscribe today on iTunes or Stitcher.